Loki episode 6 for all time always. These are my thoughts after watching the finale of Loki season 1. There will be spoilers ahead. This was one of the best finales I've seen of a TV series in a long time. The villain is finally shown and it is Kang the Conqueror as we have been theorizing. It was Kang all along. Jonathan Majors did an excellent job in portraying Kang. There were many shots in this episode where the camera focused on the actor and nothing else was going on. He had to pull that scene efficiently in such a way that the audience will not lose interest. He pulled this off magnificently. I give the show props in having the balls to actually undertake this slow burn of a finale, not distract the audience uh, in order to keep their interest by showing fight scenes, uh, action scenes or anything flashy. They respected and trusted the audience enough to know that the audience will be here not just for flashes and action scenes but for the substance of the story. Many TV shows and movies nowadays think that they always have to cut immediately just like a TikTok video or a YouTube video. They always have to have their pacing extremely quick to keep the audience interested. That is not the case and this show proves it. They built this entire puzzle box beforehand for 5 seasons and earned this 6th episode slow burn of an execution. By the way, in the case of Kang's portrayal by Jonathan Majors, I was initially skeptical and somewhat discouraged to see that the man behind the curtain, the man who was behind all of this was a chill dude. He had this normal regular guy vibe and we have seen many of such characters in the MCU. However, as the episode went on, I was quite impressed by his delivery and his execution of the character that he won me over. Furthermore, the reason for his eccentric behavior is also given in the show that I'll come back to later. The entire episode more or less takes place in one single location that is one room with three people talking and most of it is done by Kang in the form of exposition. This is an excellent example of how to do an exposition correctly. Now exposition means a single character gives all the information that the audience wants to know in order to understand what's going on in the series. However, in many cases, this exposition is very boring because we are just listening to one character give all the information in an uninteresting way. It is the antithesis of show don't tell, which is one of the core rules of story writing and screenplay. However, in this instance, exposition is done correctly in the way it should be done. Now, exposition can be very interesting if the audience desires to know that information. For the first five episodes, we have been given this puzzle box, hints, easter eggs, and this mystery has been created for this long that we are interested in knowing what is happening who is behind the tva what is this mystery what's happening when this information is finally delivered by one single character in an exposition we actually want to hear that information and that makes the exposition very enjoyable to watch it also helps that it was delivered so nicely and in a unique way by Jonathan Majors, that's Kang, that we hang on to every word he says. Anyway, it was nicely done and this is how you really do an exposition. Speaking of Kang, I love this character of Kang himself. The story is that in 31st century, a man discovered the multiverse and started going in different multiverses to meet his own versions. Initially, it was peaceful and they created some sort of a citadel 
to meet each other and innovate. It was quite similar to Rick and Morty's Citadel of Ricks, if you have seen that show. But as is the case with such a large sample of your variations, some definitely turn out to be evil. There occurs a war between different gangs and different realities of those gangs and many realities or many universes in those multiverse get destroyed. In this multiversal war, there was humongous destruction of many universes. Finally, one version of this man created the TVA and removed all the multiverses in which these different gangs existed. Now this version is the gang we see in this episode. He created the TVA so that all these other variants of himself should not exist or should not know the existence of other multiverses because there are none. In essence, he stopped the multiversal war for all time, always. And that is the episode's name. But this was not easy. He went back and created a system in which he recognized all the variations in the multiverse, pruned it in such a way that all the variations in which problems might be created should be destroyed. So he spent all these eons studying the various multiverses to create this sacred timeline. Now because for millennia, he has been doing this all alone, figuring out this sacred timeline. No wonder his behavior is so eccentric. This man is tired and done with all of this responsibility that he has on his shoulders. By the way, from his point of view, he is a hero because he saved the world from destroying itself. He is not in search of power or control or anything selfish, but essentially he just wants to save the world. He is willing to destroy a few for the sake of many, much like someone we know. Thanos was also willing to destroy half of the population for the entire universe to survive. This is what makes a great villain because in his eyes and some weird perspective if we see, he is really the hero of the entire multiverse. So the two Lokis discover that the man behind all of this actually planned their arrival. Whatever they were doing before this, thinking that they are defying the rules of the TVA was actually pre-written. I love this reveal. It is very similar to the reveal that was shown in Matrix 2. In that movie, the protagonist also goes against this concept of predeterminism. He fights through a lot of obstacles to reach at the top to meet with the person who has created this rule-based system to defeat him and let this system collapse. Thinking that he did this out of his free will, it is revealed that it was all planned all along, that many of such iterations of this protagonist have already come before and this was also a part of the cycle. This makes me think how many such variants and how many such versions of TVA have already happened before. And this is just one of the part of the cycles that the TVA goes through. So the Lokis are given two options. One is kill Kang. They can complete their mission. They can say that chaos and free will should exist. But there will be a multiversal war in 31st century once again because variations of Kang will meet each other and the cycle will continue. Or they can take the seat of Kang, take his position and run the TVA themselves. Those are two very difficult choices and they are essentially a no-win scenario. Both scenarios are bad for our protagonists. Just like this was a twist in a plot sense, there was also a twist in the theme. The theme of the series up till now was free will against determinism. But here it is revealed that free will comes at a very, very high cost. Silly finally decides to kill Kang, throw Loki out into the TVA, and let the multiverse exist. And that was the logical outcome of the character of Sylvie because she believed in free will above everything else. She is willing to pay the cost for him, herself and others, no matter what the cost is, 
for free will to exist in the multiverse. Some of my friends were confused with the ending of Loki episode 6. Uh, they were not sure why the statue of Kang appeared and why Mobius and Hunter B-15 could not recognize Loki. So I'll explain it briefly. When Sylvie killed Kang, the one sacred timeline began branching out and multiverse existed in its natural form. The future and past that was created by the TVA and that scan got destroyed and all the possibilities that could exist, existed. Because the multiverse now exists, Kang once again discovered this multiverse in 31st century. Now this resulted in him once again meeting different versions of himself, creating the citadel, going against different versions of himself in war, and annihilating many universes and dimensions. So one of those variants once again discovered Alayat, tamed him, created the TVA in a slightly different manner. So the Hunter B-15 and Mobius and the entire TVA that, are sh that is shown in the final moments of the episode are entirely different versions of the people that existed in the first iteration of TVA. This is an entirely new timeline and that is why those people that is Hunter B-15 and Mobius do not recognize Loki. I noticed something peculiar with the storyline of Renslayer. I have a theory that she was a safety net for Kang in the event that he dies. If you recall in the fifth episode, Renslayer demanded some files from Miss Minutes. However, in this episode, she actually gave her some different files saying that he thinks, that is Kang thinks, these are more important or useful files. When Mobius confronts Renslayer, she escapes through that temp pad somewhere that we do not know along with those files. Those files might contain some information for the next iteration of people that will come to defeat Kang. This old version of Kang who died by the hands of Sylvie actually cared about the universe. So he might have those files uh, saved in such a way that if he dies, his next version who might be much more cruel than him should not uh, overtake this universe in a very dangerous way. I think Renslayer will play an important part in the next season of Loki or in Ant-Man 3 where Kang will be the main villain of that movie. So this was my video on Loki episode 6, the finale. That is for all time always. I love this episode. Uh, if you love this video, give it a thumbs up. I'll see you in the next one. Bye.